welcome to episode four of our podcast, Small Talk, Small Government, with Bill and Deb. Hello, Bill. Hello. Um, today, we are going to be discussing Spygate, which is all about the Durham report, everything that kind of, um, you know, led up to what the Spygate operation is, I guess. And, um, you know, this is, we believe it's potentially the biggest, most consequential and least reported story of our time. Um, it's, it's interesting to talk about it now, Bill and I, you know, we, we talked about really wanting to come up with this a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. as it was kind of bubbling to the surface that Durham had, um, put in a new legal filing and some information was coming out about that, but we, we already knew that barely any news sources were talking about it. So, um, then now with everything that has come up, unfortunately with the, the, the poor people of Ukraine and what they're dealing with. That's definitely going to be dominating the news now, so there'll be even less opportunity for it to come up. Um, But still, it feels like an appropriate thing to talk about, even given what's going on with Ukraine and what with what Russia has done, because when you see how all these pieces fit together, you kind of realize that we may have lost a lot of opportunity during the Trump years to make any kind of inroads or have any kind of serious discussions about what to do with Russia and their ambitions. Um, because anything that, that would have been done, I think would have just been touted as, well, you know, Trump's a Russia sympathizer or he's doing this or he's doing that. How dare he talk with them? So, you know, who knows what opportunities we may have lost because it was almost off the table. So now we see this, you know, what's going on there now why did that come about, you know, and, and that'll be something we can probably discuss in another episode. But so it's it, it does seem like a relevant thing to talk about now. I mean, obviously, it's relevant because it's huge. I mean, it's 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 discussed as the biggest sting operation there's ever been. So if you've been following this since 2017, like Bill has, you know, um, you know, if not, you need to understand how this has happened and how we can see that treason really has been committed on our country. And it's in an effort to be taken from us. Really, all of this stuff kind of fits in together. So with that, I think, you know, maybe the best thing to do is to begin with a little bit of background and overview of the timeline that Bill has done a lot of good research on this this week. Yeah, I think that um, if we start with the timeline and and where we got to here, then uh, at least remind ourselves about that. I was actually talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and and um, I think it, it, was, it was helpful to know that um, that there's things that we've forgotten about um, that's happened in the past couple of years with this, and just to remind ourselves about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been researched by a lot of people. Uh, Dan Bongino is has really um, been at the forefront of this. I think he's released, I think, at least two books on it. Um, mm-hmm. I have them, and I still need to read them. And his background is, wasn't he, he was with the Secret Service, but did yeah. he also have any kind of CIA or... Um... No, he was, um, I think he was a New York City police officer, and then he was in the CIA, or mm-hmm. not the CIA, he was he was a New York City police officer, and then he was in the Secret Service. Secret Service, yeah. And then but he, he's got a lot of connections, and, you know, so he that, that he, he's taken, like, a profound interest in it, and that's why I like to hear his thoughts on it, because I feel like he is a person that's got some... Oh, connections and understanding of the way all of that stuff is supposed to work and kind of can see the levers being pulled, you know, um, that can result in some corruption, I guess we'll say. 
And uh, Sarah Carter and John Solomon also were really uh, kind of in the same position. Obviously, they weren't in the in the law enforcement yeah. side of it, but uh, but they had some really good um, um, sources as well. Yeah, um, I listened to a couple of John Solomon interviews on the way up here today, and he's just a, a great journalist. Um, so an and actual we'll, journalist. Yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll we'll interject a little bit of what what I've heard from him, and he ties in what's going on today with this back to some of the corruption and allegations that we saw in the in the mid 90s mm-hmm. with the Clintons back then. So the that was an interesting thing. Exactly. Then, yeah. yeah. Um, the Epic Times actually has a really good poster um, that you can find online. I have a link to it in the in the notes. Um, and it shows all the different people, um, how they're connected. Um, it's all over the government and, and all kinds of other organizations. Fascinating. Um, but way back in uh, February 2016, the Clinton campaign had uh, what they call a, a swift boat operation, uh, which is a, that's a political term that that's it, it means like a mudslinging or a smear campaign. And part of that, they they allege uh, Russian collusion in the Trump campaign. Um, and then, of course, after the uh, the Clintons lost and Trump won, then they doubled down on that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, hey, that's the only way that Trump could have won if yeah. he got support with the, from the Russians. Yeah. And can, can we take a pause there just to say, does it make sense to you as a community of people and listeners? Why would... Russia uh, have wanted to help Trump get into office only yeah. to see now with what Russia is doing, does it not make more sense to think that they would have wanted uh, somebody more sympathetic to them to be in office? Cause Trump was not that guy. No. If he were, I think we would have seen a little bit more movement from them during those years. Instead, mm-hmm. he clearly strategically waited for somebody else to be in that he felt like he could either kind of steamroll or manipulate. That's what it looks like to me at this stage. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Um, I think uh, Putin and, and the Russians knew that uh, Clinton was more uh, more favorable based on her actions and family actions and and everything like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I were... If I were Russia at that time, then I would want Clinton to be in. But, yeah, so it just uh, doesn't make any sense. Still. Exactly, it is. But still, it's just, you know, th- these are the kinds of things that we need to be asking ourselves so that we can start to identify some of this shenanigans yeah. <laughs> with our with our ruling class. So Right, and this is, this is, these are all good questions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good to ask questions. Yes. Now, the Clinton campaign also hired a, uh, a firm called, a law firm called Perkins Coie. Uh, and that law firm hired a company called Fusion GPS, which is an opposition research firm. And they worked on the dossier, the, the official or the, the infamous uh, dossier. Uh, there's a guy who was, um, I think he was indicted here uh, several months ago, a guy named Igor Denchenko. And uh, Fusion GPS paid him to travel around. And uh, for that money and for that travel, he just made up stories and mm-hmm. just to put in the dossier. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess if you're getting a bunch of money to travel around, then uh, you should produce some kind of product. And yeah, so that you can keep getting paid. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, so we now know that uh, that that is just all made up. But uh, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. Yeah. So at about the same time, the CIA director at the time, a guy named Brennan, uh, he briefed Obama that the Clintons were going to do a smear campaign with uh, against Trump with Russian allegations. Now, in the dossier, 
there's a claim that there was uh, um, that there was a language change um, in the in the Trump policy as a result of a meeting with uh, Yovanovitch. Victor mm-hmm. Yovanovitch, and the allegation is, is that as a favor to Russia, the U.S. would go easier on Russia's Ukraine policy if Russia released information that's damaging to Clinton. Uh, so obviously, all the Trump associates uh, involved in that meeting would uh, had denied it, and uh, just coincidentally, a few days later, the the DNC emails were released through WikiLeaks, mm-hmm. and that was I think about twenty thousand uh, uh, emails from the Democratic National uh, Committee were uh, hacked and then released in June twenty sixteen. Like I say, through WikiLeaks, mm-hmm. uh, the Dems and the media, but I repeat myself, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they they blame the Russians, um, but today, you know, as of today, no one really knows uh, whether the whether it was a hack by the Russians. Nobody knows who did it. Nobody knows where these came from. They they got to they got to WikiLeaks. They were released. And I'm, and I'm sorry that I may I may not understand this. Those emails that were that were leaked. Who benefited from those? I mean, did did they make the did the, the Dems case look better? They they were damaging to the Democrats mm-hmm. just because these were all um, internal emails and, uh-huh. and everything. It would have the effect of helping the Trump campaign. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're um i'm sure in the in the defense of the democrats and then uh you could you could certainly uh point the finger at the trump campaign that says that that uh, they had something to do with this because it was damaging to them uh now a bunch of things happened after that um uh that email leak um uh, there's a guy named Christopher Steele. He had a report on the DNC emails about 3 days after the leak, uh, which was seemed pretty quick. mm mm-hmm. mhm Mm-hmm. Obviously, he blamed Trump and had exact details on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what has come out later is that uh, Steele was a former MI6, which is like the UK's version of the CIA. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a you know former spy with them. He's probably known to the to our authorities. Um, um, he was known to the CIA, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but this wasn't revealed in any government documents. Um, and I'm kind of thinking it's probably on purpose uh-huh. to try to make him look like a... Just a regular guy just a regular that guy. happens to... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, you may have the, the background to almost be like involved yeah. in, in a way. And um, so he formed this dossier, now called the Steele dossier, mm-hmm. uh, which was used by the FBI as a basis to surveil the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously later it found out to be you know, completely fabricated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it uh, contained allegations of coordination between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, 35 pages long. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see if I can find a uh, link to that and put that in, in there if you want to read that. Mm-hmm. So basically, the way this fits together is this, the emails were, quote, hacked. Mm-hmm. And the emails claim all of this stuff. And... Uh, then he comes out a few days after they're leaked and said, yeah, it, it, it's got information that uh, it, it, it basically kind of substantiated what they were saying. I'm not sure that that uh, the Steele dossier really uh, substantiated the the email claims, but they substantiated the fact that Trump was working with the Russians. And uh, one of the early 
thoughts on the um, on the uh, uh, DNC leak was that it was perpetuated by the Russians. Mm-hmm. So this is another another dot to be connected so uh, they, between they, the Trumps between Trump and the Russians. So what they're trying to allege is, yeah, Trump, uh, the, the the Russians would have leaked this in order for us to see. Look how Trump is trying to come to us to put together this information that would be against Hillary Clinton. Yeah, they were they were um, the DNC and the authorities were trying to to establish that link between the mm-hmm. between Trump and the and the DNC or the yeah, Trump and the and the DNC emails. Uh, through Russia. Right. And so really, I guess, and this is where it, it, it brings full circle for me to understand this a little bit better. When we say hacked and you know, we've got in quotation marks here. Oh, yeah, that was a, that was a, uh, an air quotes right there. Yeah. So then, <laughs> and that's, that's what I'm trying to get to, you know, so it may, it may not have been a hack it at might, all. Yeah. It might not have been. Um, there's, um, since we don't know who did it, we don't know how it was done. We just know that these emails showed up at, at WikiLeaks and they, yeah. uh, you know, they released them. So it could be, could be a number of ways in order mm-hmm. to get somebody's emails. Calling it a hack really makes it sound like it's more nefarious mm-hmm. and dramatic, but who knows? Nobody, nobody knows. That's, that could be something that's still being investigated. Exactly. But I mean, you know, the fact that Steele comes out and says right after the quote hack, we were hacked and it was him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see. Yeah, yeah. I see how that fits and, together. And it was the Russians. Yeah. It's always the Russians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So soon <laughs> so after that, the investigation opened. Yeah. Soon yeah. after that, there was an investigation opened into the into the Trump campaign. Uh, more of a secret kind of an investigation. Trump was working with the Russians, basically. Mm-hmm. And soon after that investigation opened, uh, Russians started approaching the Trump campaign just all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Some say that that was orchestrated by the Clinton campaign. Um, uh, for example, there was uh, Mike Flynn was paid uh, some money to speak at uh, Russian Times uh, uh, banquet, I believe it was, and he was photographed next to um, next to Putin, mm-hmm. uh, which could have been a, a meeting set up by by Clintons or somebody like that to um, make it look like they're chums. Yeah, make it yeah. look like they're chums. You mm-hmm. know, you, you uh, uh, even though they didn't have any any association, he just happened to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there's. There's that theory. At the at the same time, um, also Obama was throwing out Russian diplomats in, I believe it was December of 2016, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that the Russian counterparts would call Mike Flynn while he was on vacation in the Dominican Republic, thus establishing another link between the Trump campaign and mm-hmm. the Russians, mm-hmm. uh, even though... When the diplomats were thrown out, then the then the Russian counterpart would call Mike Flynn and say, "Hey, what the heck is going on here?" Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the fact that he happens to be on vacation at the time is almost right. that much more like, "Look at this personal relationship they yeah, have. They're exactly. calling you on vacation." Yeah, I see what yeah, that yeah. Yeah. in, in uh-huh. the Dominican Republic. And I believe that that there was even another issue with that 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 the cell phone coverage in the Dominican Republic was so spotty that that the Russian uh, counterpart kept calling him and calling him because the connection kept uh-huh. getting dropped. And oh, look at Mike Flynn, he's getting all kinds of calls from yeah. this Russian guy. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole nother, the whole Mike Flynn thing is a whole nother, um, whole nother issue that yeah. uh, we could, we could talk at length about as well. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, uh, Don Jr. and Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort met on uh, June 9th, 2016 with Natalia Veselnitskaya, who's a Russian lawyer, and she claimed to have info on Hillary. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they met with her, you know, um, 
that's you know what the campaigns mm-hmm. do try to get the dirt on your opponent and all yeah. like that uh she approached them on on this but uh, don jr ended the meeting pretty pretty early after a few minutes when he saw that you know that where it really wasn't going anywhere uh-huh. and uh, then he publicly uh, released the information about the like, about the pretty meeting. much immediately. Yeah, pretty much immediately. Yeah. Hey, here's what happened. Yeah. So there wouldn't be any kind of yeah uh, impropriety or seeming like it there was impropriety. Right. Which, which, and exactly that's the thing that I feel like they had to be on top of. Uh, you know, all the time. That, that that's the thing that really I think always hits home for me when I see these things happen. That uh, the Trump campaign and everybody involved with them always had to be. Mm-hmm. On that offense, you yeah. know, because they knew what they were up against with the establishment and, and, and that, they, I mean, they'd absolutely go to any length. So, you know, to me, that kind of stuff matters. I appreciate that he's like, you know what, mm, not even going to take the risk. Yep. Don't even want to talk to this woman anymore. Clearly, this is going nowhere. I'm going to let everybody know about it. And by the way, uh, Natalia Veselnitskaya met with Fusion GPS before the meeting with Don Jr. and his team and after the meeting with Don Jr. and his team. What do you know? Yeah. Mm, there's so, another, there's a, there's a dot to connect right there. Indeed. So there was an investigation, um, obviously, into Trump that was ongoing here at the same time um, and the, the alleged uh, Russian connection. Uh, the Director of National Intelligence, the White House, and Congress are supposed to be notified quarterly of these investigations and given an update. And and that's uh, Congress actually has a special role in that as uh, as oversight into these certain investigations that are that are very important and uh, and highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. So as part of this oversight, the FBI director, who is uh, James Comey, uh, he appeared before Congress on March twentieth, twenty seventeen. And uh, he was questioned by Elise Stefanik about why did you wait so long to notify us about this? So they're supposed to be notifying quarterly of these investigations, but Comey didn't notify on a quarterly basis. He waited more than two quarters, almost three quarters, eight months to notify Congress about this Trump investigation. So, right. And and what was his reason for that? Well, he claimed it was too sensitive. Mm -hmm. But that very sensitivity is the reason why you need quarterly updates. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and how can it be up to just one guy to say, I know that the precedent is that we always bring this up quarterly, but mm -hmm. in this case, darn it, I just find it too sensitive (laughs) and I'm not going to bring it up. How is that okay? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's the very that's the very uh, that's the very question at this yeah. uh, at the heart of this here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, data collection we do know was started on on uh, the Trump campaign after he won the Illinois primary on May third, twenty sixteen, and that went until uh, July 29th, twenty ninth, twenty sixteen. So. Uh, so, so they it, collected the data for that span of time and then kind of like investigated and sat on it eight months before they brought up the fact that they were looking into some things. Right. Yeah. Ah, so that was okay. um, uh, that was supposed to be, you know, notified uh, or notify Congress during that time. But mm-hmm. uh, like I say, Comey waited until March 20th, 2017 to, mm-hmm. um, to notify Congress about that. Wow. So it was uh, it was kind of a kind of a uh, oversight lapse there. Uh, the FBI and Department of Justice applied for a FISA warrant to monitor the Trump campaign two days after um, the uh, data collection was stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on July 31st, 2016. Mm-hmm. That initial one was denied. Uh-huh. Uh, but then they applied again in October and it was approved. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. There's you can you can start to look into the some of the some of the FISA applications. 
And the FISA is um, is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, mm-hmm. and that regulates foreign intelligence collection, especially where telecommunications companies are compelled to participate. Mm-hmm. It can be used against U.S. people, but it must be approved like a search warrant. Yeah. So this is, um, you know, if somebody wanted to uh, look into somebody's emails or phone mm-hmm. calls or something like that, uh, yeah, you know, especially go, through the NSA. Through the FISA process. Uh, the whole FISA application, um, you have to present uh, your information to the FISA court, and they have to approve it, like I say, like a search warrant. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was really no crime. There has to be a crime at the beginning of this or, yeah. or a reason to start this, and there really wasn't any. It was just kind of like, you know. So basically, they convinced the FISA court to let it go ahead, even though they didn't have a specific crime to pinpoint. Right. Which is odd. Which is odd. And probably normally doesn't happen. I wonder if there's any precedent for that at all, or whether, I don't know. you know, usually they're, you know, they've got some pretty, we are coming to you, court, because of this particular crime that we are alleging right here, and mm-hmm. go from there. But in, in this case, there wasn't one. There there wasn't one. Interestingly enough, they let it go ahead anyhow. So. Yep. And they, they let it go for several renewals as well, because this has to be renewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they w- let it go for several renewals. Mm-hmm. In, the 20, in, the, in the summer of 2016, uh, Mike Rogers, who was the uh, director of the NSA at the time, thinks that someone is spying illegally on someone using the NSA database queries and then he tells the FISA court about that, mm-hmm. um, and he thinks it's so suspicious that he changes the uh, database query protocol. Mm-hmm. And this, these are these are called about queries, and you can you can look up you know certain communications in in the uh, NSA database mm-hmm. things that you shouldn't necessarily be able to look up without authorization. Yeah, and the people were just doing this. Yeah. Just somehow, willy nilly. Yeah, okay, I see. Um, uh, Ten days after the election, uh, Rogers visits Trump and Trump Tower mm-hmm. in New York, mm-hmm. uh, where Trump had been investigating, or not investigating, he'd been interviewing potential cabinet members. Mm-hmm. I think um, you probably remember there was a video of you know people would wander into Trump Tower and come out to all these mm-hmm. you know high level people and, yeah. and everything. He was conducting interviews there for yeah. you know for his new cabinet. Mm-hmm. And um, Rogers didn't tell anybody he was going there, yeah. uh, which upset a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Then the next day, Trump moves out of Trump Tower and into his Bedminster, New Jersey house. Uh-huh. And that's where everything going forward, that was where it was based out of, mm-hmm. is, is Bedminster, New Jersey. And the timing of that seems pretty suspicious. Uh-huh. So basically, this guy, Mike Rogers, thinks, you know, somebody is spying illegally using our database queries. I can mm-hmm. see that. I'm going to take the action to alter these queries, to kind of like fix them to be less accessible or, you yeah. know, whatever to be used for this anymore. And I think I'm, I might take it upon myself. I'm going to go and tell Trump that, hey, I think that uh, I've seen evidence that somebody might be doing some digging mm-hmm. uh, through the NSA database, I guess. And then at that point, Trump decided to move out of the tower where I guess effectively the point is he was seeing some traffic that would indicate they're, they're getting telecommunic data out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, so then if you remember, Trump came out, uh, you tweeted or had a conference mm-hmm. call or a you know, press conference or something yep. and said, I'm being spied on. And, and everybody, everybody was like, I'm yeah. oh, yeah. crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, but the, the, the timing of that also is very interesting, um, with Rogers, um, uh, visit there because there's this thing called a skiff mm-hmm. and we, we've heard about this, but, um, it's, it's. 
Uh, it it's, stands for, it's a SCIF. It stands for a Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility, which is like, a Yeah, for secure, example, at work, we're building one. And it, mm-hmm. what it means is you can only go in and out of that room if you have a particular clearance, can't bring a cell phone in there. It's, it's, like, it's mm-hmm. like a physically controlled space to protect data. Right, yeah. exactly. And so, so it takes about 10 days for that to be set up. And uh, so it's possible that, that Rogers... Um, after the election, waited the 10 days, figuring that the skiff was set up. And then he went up there without telling anybody to, mm-hmm. to talk to Trump, um, you know, securely about, yeah. about what might be going on there. Mm-hmm. And um, the word compartmented in the SCIF, um means that each department, like the Department of Justice, Department of Defense, CIA, and so on and so mm-hmm. on, um, it, that is that that is their information. Mm-hmm. So only that is their sequestered from all others. Yeah, exactly. And these skiffs can exist in many places. One of which is the White House, um, and they they exist in Congress and and like you say at, at you know workplaces that have to deal mm-hmm. with um, sensitive information. Mm-hmm. Um, and now an example of this uh, that might be found in a skiff is the presidential daily briefing, and mm-hmm. uh, that's prepared and. For the president and anybody who he thinks needs to see this, Obama famously had like thirty people on this mm-hmm. on this distribution list, and it exists only in the only in that location, and then it's compiled there, and then when everybody's seen it, then it's deleted. It's like a for your eyes only sort of a mm-hmm. uh, sort of a situation there. I've never experienced one, but I kind of get the impression it's like a computer sitting on a table that's not connected to anything, so nobody can get into it. If you mm-hmm. want to see it, you got to go there and look at the, in the location. Yeah, 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 where you're basically watched, and yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so it's not like something you can just pull up from uh, uh, across the internet from your desktop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to actually go and look at that. And that's actually what uh, Devin Nunes did on uh, March sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Actually, he'd been looking at at some of this stuff. Uh, previously uh, mm-hmm. to that, but he had a conference or a news conference on uh, March 26, 2017, uh, which was uh, uh, just after the um, uh, new national uh, director of national intelligence was appointed. Mm-hmm. And Devin Nunes is, is actually, or was actually a, um, a member of the congressional oversight committee known as the gang of eight, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is a group that that is supposed to be briefed by people like Comey um, every quarter about mm-hmm. all these sensitive uh-huh. investigations yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. And so he actually was uh, was invited over to the White House skiff by the new director of national intelligence, and he looked at the information on there. He reviewed the information on March twenty second, twenty seventeen, which was you know about a week after the new director of national intelligence was appointed, and he said that uh, that the intelligence produced that he reviewed was uh, quote not related to Russia or the FBI Russian counterintelligence investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure he saw more stuff in there, but what he saw in there led him to to conclude that, and that's a pretty big thing that that. Um, uh, not only was there was there information that this is not Russian intelligence, but these were probably in presidential daily briefings, which means that Obama was getting presidential daily briefings of of Trump's campaign, mm-hmm. which is you know pretty significant because he shouldn't have been yeah. getting those kind of briefings, right? And it's possible uh, there's there's wow. a lot of speculation about about all this. Uh, some people say that this was never meant to see the light of day. Mm-hmm. 
And only through the, uh, you know, like a fluke that Trump won yeah. has this ever come out. Uh, the, there's people who think that, um, that because it wasn't meant to see the light of day, then they could go and do this. They do their, their, um, uh, uh, their swift boat exercise. Yeah, do there. all their dirty stuff, they and then all, they would win, and right. then they just sweep it under the rug, and nobody'd be any of the wiser. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have to do anything with the with the FISA court. None of that would come out because they won, and nobody would ask any questions or anything. But, uh, but there was a major um, uh, wrench that got into that into that uh, mm-hmm. works, and that mm-hmm. was uh, that was Trump won. Yeah. And then people started to ask questions. And he's been obviously vocal over the past, you know, during his campaign and his presidency that he was spied on. And, yeah. And so. Um, and it's interesting because what I, I looked into as part of preparing for this episode, I, I was kind of focused and fixated on um, the year 2020 because Personally, you know, for me, I, I knew that this was going on. This investigation was continuing, that, that Durham was doing his thing. And I knew that there were some things that were ordered to be declassified uh, in, in the summer of 2020. And I just was like biting my fingernails on the edge of my seat, waiting for this stuff to come out mm-hmm. that would hopefully have helped. And I thought, you know, surely this is going to come out. People are going to see this crazy corruption. They're going to understand the whole concept behind draining the swamp and, and all of the connections and everything. And, and it's going to be okay. And he's going to get that second term so we can finish, you know, riding this out and, and really, you know, taking our government back, which is what I was always hoping would happen through his time. But- yeah, and I think, uh, I think people had even forgotten about, uh, you know, the Durham investigation and everything like that, because there was nothing during that time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I but I think that um, one of the one of the quotes that I found in a Bill Barr interview to your point of, you know, wow, but Trump won, it, it was that it continued going on. And, you know, the 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 the, the spying basically mm-hmm. continued going on. And, and Bill Barr said in an interview that his view in looking at the evidence at that point shows we're not dealing with just some mistakes or sloppiness. There's something far more troubling going on here, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. And he said, I think what happened to Trump was one of the greatest travesties in American history. Without any basis, they started this investigation of his campaign. And even more concerning, actually, was what happened after the campaign, a whole pattern of events while he was president, I think, to sabotage the presidency or have the effect of sabotaging the presidency. And that's where... You know, I kind of, again, you know, tie this into all of the lost ground that we might have been able to have during that four years. And yeah. I mean, just to, 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 to understand how bad it is if we are living in a country where agencies such as uh, you know, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA can be turned to work against a political opponent. I mean, that's not what we're supposed to be doing here in America. That's the kind of stuff that you would think would be happening out of Russia or some other place where, you know what? I don't yeah. like you as a political opposition. I'm going to shut you down. Yeah. What's the, what's the saying, you know, uh, uh, find me the man and I'll find you the crime. Yeah. Ex- yeah. There that's, you go. That's not mm-hmm. how it's supposed to work here. We're supposed to find the crime and then, and then work backwards. From yeah. That. Right. And I think the um, uh, the office of the uh, director of national intelligence, I believe, was created to pull all this together, all the the different um, intelligence agencies, all their all their intelligence together after uh, September 11th, um, 
And I don't think anybody at that time realized that if you put all these people together, then then they could collude to mm-hmm. do exactly that to do the to do the political damage. Yeah. So as far as the findings now um, of, of what's going on with the Durham report, first of all, it's important to say that the Durham report is not expected to simply be a report. You know, he's he's really expecting that there be um, some people brought to justice, uh, anybody engaged in abusing their power, any of that. There should be um, indictments for these criminal violations. That's what we hope out of it. But my understanding is that this first bit or, you know, what's been currently um, taken up to the courts, that there's a jury trial in May this year against Michael Sussman who was a cybersecurity lawyer who represented the Clinton campaign, he, Durham, is alleging that that guy took data to the CIA, which reportedly showed that Trump and his associates were using Russian-made cell phones near the White House, and um, this guy alleges that he got data from a tech executive that shows this tying to Russia, but the problem with it is, among many problems, that Sussman didn't disclose who he was working for when he went to the CIA. So that's part of the convoluted problem with this investigation and who was involved and um, the inappropriate actions that they took. And then I think you've got something more about Jaffe. Yeah, Jaffe, the tech executive. He in is there. the tech executive. Okay, yeah. that is. I think that's how you say his name. Yeah, um, um, he's actually a pretty interesting guy, um, and pretty much a, an internet and IT pioneer. Um, he created the world's first commercial internet hosting company. Um, he also created a DNS company, among a large list of other IT related accomplishments. Uh, he was working for a company called Newstar um, out of uh, I think it's Reston, Virginia. Uh, which managed IT at the uh, executive office of the president, which is also known as the White House. Uh, Newstar actually had all kinds of clients, um, thousands of them actually in in government and commercial spaces. Uh, But he also wasn't just monitoring the White House traffic, this DNS traffic at the White House. Um, He was also monitoring traffic between Trump Tower and also Trump's apartment on Central Park West. So he mined this data, exploited the data gathered at Newstar to a establish an interference narrative and to, quote, please VIPs, uh, which are likely in the Clinton campaign. Um, He, well, he was likely working for free, sort of. Um, He had been uh, promised a position in the Clinton White House. You know, if you do these things for me and Mm -hmm. and all this, then I'll... uh, I'll give you a position in the in the White House. I see. He also said that uh, he wouldn't work for the Trump White House, uh, so there's probably some bias there, uh, which you can read into if you want. And uh, he had actually repackaged this DNS information uh, for three months before turning it over to the government. So uh, it was more or less a uh, touted as a spontaneous act of patriotism. Hey, look what I found! Mm-hmm. But it was he was actually working on this for yeah. three months and part of the part of the spying and. And uh, the DNS uh, is basically the the lookup records mm-hmm. for uh, for a website. You know, you go to uh, Google or something mm-hmm. like that, and then there's some there's some information behind that to, that points you to the right servers to get the information. Yeah. And that's what um, that's what he's been capturing. So when if you were to email somebody 
um, your DNS record would show that you went to, you know, outlook.com, but it wouldn't show you that, that I emailed Deb or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. or what the contents of that email was. Mm-hmm. It just um, shows you that the traffic was there. It just shows yeah. you that the traffic was there. And part of that, um, that was used was a connection to a Russian bank called Alpha Bank. Uh, that oh you know the Clinton or sorry the uh, the Trump campaign was uh, was talking with the Russians because there's this data going back and forth between uh, between the Trump campaign and this Alpha Bank mm-hmm. uh, you know nobody right now knows where that um, or how that link was established where it came from or anything mm-hmm. uh, but there was recently um, an interesting uh, tidbit that came out mm-hmm. uh, Alpha Bank is actually suing Fusion GPS for defamation and this lawsuit's been going on for a while interesting because Fusion GPS was the one that released uh, this information that said that Alpha Bank was conspiring with uh, the Trump campaign or mm-hmm. the Trump campaign was was conspiring with the Russians mm-hmm. and, and so that bank is now suing them. The, yeah, the bank is now suing hmm. uh, them on that. And so as part of a lawsuit, then you have discovery, which is where all the information is coming out. Uh, so uh, Fusion GPS has now had to produce communication logs uh, with all their emails and, and everything. Um, they had to produce that in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and that showed communication between Fusion GPS, mm-hmm. Sussman, who you were talking to uh-huh. or talking about, and Joffe. And that happened, uh, that communication was happening a month before they went to the FBI in 2016. So they themselves were doing a little back and forth communicating. And, yeah. and may that have been because they were creating this connection. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And, so if, and then, if, of course, the fact that he had the, you know, was tinkering around with those DNS records for that three months before he handed them over. Yeah. You know, what is he massaging or... Um, you know, like, let, let me let me omit the stuff where it looks like we also are talking to Alpha Bank. Take yep. that out and put, you know, make sure that this other stuff is front and center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so um, so the the, uh, you know, Sussman and Joffe, um, all their all their reporting to the government was, um, like I say, it's supposed to be some you know spontaneous act of patriotism. But yeah. if they're if they're communicating and, and potentially coordinating with uh, with the Clinton campaign, then, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, that's really something. Now, we don't have the emails yet. All we have is the log. And mm-hmm. and um, once the lawsuit progresses, then then people will determine what emails need to be. Um, need to be brought into evidence, and at that point, we'll probably know the contents of these emails. So, basically, right now, the lawyers for Alpha Bank and Fusion GPS are arguing about what what emails are supposed to be released. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, I know that you know, and that that's where when when I was so expectant in the summer of 2020, wanting this more to come out. And and that was really what it was, what was behind it. And that's what Bill Barr kept coming forward to say, like, what we're interested in understanding is what was the actual intelligence that sparked all of this? Mm-hmm. Was there really a basis for it? Or, like we've said, was it just a, 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 a really deep and high level um, smear campaign, all of it orchestrated to um, to discredit Trump, to you know, hopefully have him not even be elected, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then continue to kind of like sully his name throughout this entire thing, uh, you know, his, his whole campaign, and it just continued to come up. 
Yeah, he was fighting this war for well, as as a candidate all yeah. throughout his presidency, and even even now today. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's another thing. I'll read this so that Bill Barr uh, said to CBS uh, during the summer of 2020, as all of this was coming out. He says the use of foreign intelligence capabilities and counterintelligence capabilities against an American political campaign to me is an unprecedented and serious red line. And that's at that point that he said he wanted to understand the basis for the counterintelligence activities against the campaign and make sure it was legitimate. And this seems like a perfectly reasonable thing to want to get to the bottom of. Of course, people claimed that, you know, Bill Barr was partisan and all that. And and I remember being really disappointed. I I really wanted him to carry this through and do more at that time. Um, You know, just that whole year was just a series of one disappointment after another. And we've had to have patience. and, And I hope that that our patience is going to be rewarded because Durham has been methodical about mm-hmm. this. As far as I understand, he's not, um, you know, blowing things up out of proportion that, that he doesn't feel like he can stand behind. I think he's put together all of the filings that he's going to come forward with pretty thoughtfully. So I hope that now that we've seen the debacle of the last year, you can kind of see how all of this may have played into the larger takeover really is the way I see it of, mm-hmm. of our government through these these ways. And we also know that all of these government agencies were highly biased against Trump. And you can kind of start to see as these pieces fit together. Naturally, they're, they're, they do not like that outsider. Mm-hmm. They have had this thing established that they don't want anybody to get in the way of a total well-oiled machine. Never in a million years, to your point, did I did, did they probably really think that he was going to be able to get elected. But they, w- voters came out and overwhelmed the system, and yep. there, there was nothing they could do to get ahead of it. Fast forward, you know, I can't I can't miss an opportunity <laughs> to say it. Not the case in 2020, though. They were there and they knew what to be ready for, and that's yep. what, let's just stop counting. Boop! Oh, look at that. <laughs> Wake up in the morning. We, you know, th- this is what happened last night. Thank you, everyone. You know, so and that that is something I just can't wait to get into. But you know, as you can see, how these things come together, it starts to make a little bit more sense. So it does. Uh, yeah, no. Um, so you know, nobody ever investigated Steele. Um, you know, they didn't know that he worked for Clinton. If anybody known the true origin of the info that uh, Steele and everybody was was putting together, then that would have slanted the investigation. Mm-hmm. If the investigation were objective, yeah, it's just the difference of somebody coming to uh, to an investigator and say, "Hey, I found this evidence. You might want to you might want to know about it." Like the you know, like the objective patriotic thing to do, mm-hmm. or saying, "Hey, I'm with the Clinton campaign. I have this information." Then the, then the investigators might be like, "Ah, you know, I'm going to look at this through the slant of a exactly. particular political." Um, uh, narrative. Yeah, and, and know um, that the person who is bringing it to me and everything it contains, it has that angle, yeah. you know? But they didn't. And also, no one's ever investigated the Clinton campaign, uh, mm-hmm. you know, simultaneous with the with the Trump campaign. Um, it seems kind of seems kind of suspicious. Maybe if the Russians haven't have infiltrated the Trump campaign, maybe they're doing the mm-hmm. same thing to the Clinton campaign. Yeah, I mean, or at least we, reach out to the Clinton campaign yeah. and say, hey, uh, you might want to be cautious. We hear that the Russians are infiltrating uh, a, a political campaign. Just be on the lookout for anything suspicious. But nope, nope. Yeah, they seem determined, like you say. 
say to to make sure that uh, that it was a Trump campaign issue. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess also I wonder if realistically thinking that if Russia is that in determined to be involved in our elections here and they want some kind of particular outcome. Yeah. Wouldn't you think, you know, wouldn't you be all over the place? Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, to your point that that was never looked at. Let's not look at her campaign. That has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Didn't even cross their minds probably. Yeah. So, you know, uh, looking forward to May, we'll see what, what happens with this latest case then when, when Michael Sussman goes before the jury to see if, if, you know, of course, the idea and the hope is that maybe he'll tell on other people, maybe the connections will become clearer. Mm-hmm. I think we all know what happens when you go against the Clintons, so probably I don't expect the man to get up there and sing like a bird, and I don't think he's going to need to because I think the evidence is there and I think it's going to keep coming out. But, I think so, um, too. And, yeah. and I've heard that uh, somebody's suspicion of over all these uh, recent uh, document releases by uh, by the Durham report is that Sussman basically said, um, you know, OK, prove it. Prove that I've done this. Mm-hmm. And then and then Durham started to release these documents. And then Sussman's lawyer said, oh, oh no, no, hold on yeah, a minute. Yeah. Damn, you don't need to prove <laughs> that much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm proving it. Yeah. Here you go. Here's my discovery. So there could See you be, in court. Yeah, there could be more to it. Um, there's also suspicion that that Durham's doing this to, you know, um, uh, to make sure that his investigation doesn't get shut down because, you mm-hmm. know, I have all this information. And if you shut me down, then uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more questions. Yeah. And, and I think from a timing perspective, that was something I was listening to in the John Solomon uh, report on the way up here. From a timing perspective, it would look bad for this to be shut down now before the midterms. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we'll see how much more can come out between now and November. But then after that, Um, you know, the current administration and everybody in power may care a little bit less about how the optics look for shutting it down. They might suddenly start caring a little bit more about how it's going to look when it all comes out. So if it's going to get shut down, it it may very well after uh, November. But then that's just another reason that we have taken on this project Mm -hmm. because we want people to understand these kinds of things going into the midterm election so that if you happen to be somebody who's on the fence, you think about these things and wanting to have people in place who are willing to buck the system a little bit and hold these people accountable because we don't have any, you know, the future is bleak without holding these people accountable. It's gone on too long now. So, um yeah, it's important to have this information come out too, because you never know there might be another another uh, outsider who wants to get elected, and yeah, and this might this might happen again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, the, we the, can't the have right that. People, or the right people or the wrong people, depending on how you look at it, might be in government and and have a have a bias against somebody who's running, and then yeah, and then it's it's just these this these people at the on. top yeah. who uh, who uh, alter our elections. All of a sudden, we're Venezuela, or you know, yep. so, you know that then that is not what we want here. So, um, yep, looking forward to maybe a follow-up on this then sometime in May. But for now, this has been an illuminating topic for me, too. You did some great research on it, (laughs) Bill. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, the government is best when it's small. 